Welcome to the School of Travels podcast. I'm your host, Becky Gillespie, and each week I bring you stories of how travel can truly change your life if you take the chance to get out on the road and step out of your comfort zone. My guests also share travel tips and lessons they've learned along the way, which I hope inspires you to let travel be your teacher. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to the School of Travels podcast. This week, I am excited to bring you the incredible story of a six-month road trip from Tokyo to the UK all the way down to Cape Town from two of my longtime friends in Tokyo, Chuck Berry and Phil Woodland. Now, I'd heard bits and pieces of their story along the way since they returned back in 2013, but I'd never really had the chance to sit down and really hear about how they planned this trip the twists and turns that happen along the way, and what they really took from the experience. I hope by listening to them that you can start to get a sense of what planning a trip of this magnitude really takes and what traveling in these areas is really like. Because I was in Tokyo when I interviewed Phil and Chuck, we thought it would be great to do the interview in a Japanese karaoke room. And so throughout the episode, you're going to hear some, I'm going to admit it, really bad Japanese karaoke in the background. You will definitely get a sense of what being in a Japanese karaoke booth is like, including the phone calls that we got asking us if we wanted more drinks, which does happen in Japan. So without further ado, here is the incredible story of Chuck and Phil's road trip. I'm sure that you're going to be entertained. Here we go. Welcome to episode 16 of the School of Travels podcast, and I'm here with two longtime friends in Tokyo, Japan, in a karaoke room of all places. We have Simon <laughs> Barry. Hello there. And Phil Woodland. Hello. I am so excited to talk with you guys about a trip that you both took together in when was it, Simon? Uh, 2013. 2013. So that's, it's, it's, it's quite a long time ago, ago isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you were telling me, Phil, that people still talk about it at your office. Yeah, yeah, I still get asked about it quite, quite often. Well, first of all, guys, just to prove we're in one of my favorite places in the world, and I'm sure it's yours too, a Japanese karaoke room, we have a little maraca and a tambourine. <laughs> and who knows, we might be uh, playing those from time to time. Well, all your listeners, I first met Becky at a karaoke night, I think it was 2011, it might have been 2012, but uh, you were dressed as Pikachu, so that's, that's fine. I'll never forget that night, Simon. It was a, it was a wonderful. It's the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Indeed, it was. And uh, first of all, I wanted to ask you guys, what are you doing now? What is uh, your background? Where are you from? Um, I'm from England, but I've been living in Japan on and off for like twelve years. Um, in that time, I've also lived in Spain and in South Africa, and been on a few adventures as well. Uh, now I'm teaching English in Tokyo. Awesome. Uh, so I've been on a, an adventure with Phil, which is what we're going to talk about, right? Um, and I import booze and export booze. I'm quite <laughs> boozy. Um, yeah, and so I know I know Phil and Becky. That makes For a long sense, time, right? Uh, yeah, we... But when did you first come to Tokyo? I first came eighteen years ago. Phil, I've known you for 12, <laughs> so shut up. Yes, me, me, and, me and Chuck first met in 2008, beginning of 2008. So it's 11 years, 11 yes. years, nearly 11 years. How did you guys meet? I have, I've never asked you this before. Um, we met at the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Amato Sando in Tokyo. Oh. Um, I was working at that time with 
our mutual friend Peter Noonan uh, and he I went with him and Chuck was there with a bunch of other people by the way, I think we should tell listeners we are going to call Simon Chuck for uh, yes. the rest of the podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, I must be you, I sorry. called you Simon, it felt very strange. But that's, that's just been your nickname for... Ever since I was fresh from the womb. <laughs> <laughs> My father's also nicknamed Chuck, so it gets very I think very anybody confusing. with a family name, yeah. Barry. And you, did you Chuck. grow up in Zimbabwe? I did grow up in Zimbabwe, and then Ethiopia, Oman, and I had a very kind of travelly, internationally upbringing. Um, is that where you first got interested in travel itself? Well, I don't. I, I think that's where I first became obviously just acclimatized to being in strange places. Mm-hmm. Uh, not strange, but different places. Was that due to your? I'm assuming it must have been one of your parents' jobs, or yeah, my something. dad. My dad was a civil engineer, so we. That's what he says. He was a spy. <laughs> no, no, I don't know if he was a spy or not, but uh, we. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast episode. Yeah. <laughs> we went to, after Rhodesia, this is, I don't really want to talk about like right. colonial stuff, but after independence, we moved to Ethiopia, then we went to Saudi Arabia, Oman, and stayed there for a long time. And then I went to school in the UK. Okay. So we lived in all those places for a while, and that's how I got acclimatized to moving around, I guess. Okay, so yeah. you spent your whole life essentially moving around. Yeah, yeah, definitely, life. definitely. And I kind of, like Japan is the place I've lived longer than anywhere else. What brought you to Japan? Sorry. A whim. A whim? A whim. <laughs> I came on a whim and I'm still here. What was what was the whim? Because for me it was actually watching Lost in Translation, I think really inspired me. Was it really? Yeah, yeah, to come over. The, the whim for me was that... I had been, after university, I'd gone to Zimbabwe for 10 months, and I'd come back and was working a terrible, like, market research telephone job. Um, my friend Mina, you know Mina, mm-hmm. um, she'd been cut out this ad from The Guardian of going to teach English in Japan. And I must confess that Japan had never interested me before. I was the same. And I was like, eh, okay, let's, let's, let's give that a go. And I came for a year, a year became two, three, four, five, and etc. And like me, you've left a few times as well. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I think all of us here have all left a few times. Been and gone, yeah. yeah. Phil, what first inspired you to come to Japan? Also fairly whimsical, but I had a few more reasons. When I was a kid, I learned karate. So I was always interested in like um, Asian culture and Japanese culture. Um, and when I lived in the US as a student, my best friend was Japanese. So then I learned a bit more about Japan. And after I graduated, I wanted to travel. Um, but being a fresh graduate, I didn't have any money. So working abroad was my next idea. And I, I literally Googled work abroad and something that popped up was teach in Japan. And I was like, mm. Japan sounds nice. I'll give that a go. And really the, the plan was to come to Japan for two years to save money to travel. Um, and that. It took five years, I think, to go traveling the first time, but it kind of happened. Right. And I just kept coming back and doing the same thing. I do love that the yen, it, this was what I thought about, the yen was a strong currency. Not when I first came. Really? Uh, uh, me too, yeah. me too. 
And obviously being British one. now, it's a terrible currency. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, no. It's so about to become a very good one, I think. It's about to become a good one. But that's, that's, another that's also another well. topic, yeah. <laughs> Let's not talk about yeah. that. Okay, so you both, like, you had a lot of inspiration and you, coming to Japan then, you started to really, like, have this base where you could travel from, yeah. I would say. like. Yeah, I think so. And I think there was, like, being, obviously, from Britain, uh, a lot of your trips would be to Spain or to, you know, locally and being in Japan. And it is one thing that people in Japan say is like, oh, it gives you a much greater freedom to travel in Asia. It does to a point, but at the same time, Japan is quite far to mm. the east and to go to Thailand is seven hours away. Uh, to go but to, it wasn't yeah. just the location or the money. I actually fell in love with Japan, which yeah, is of why course, I of course. keep yeah. coming back. Me too. There's doing. so many. Th- I mean, right where we are is right. a really big reason that I absolutely yes. love Japan. I love yeah, the singing yeah, yeah. culture, and I hope that you guys love what you can hear in the background as well, <laughs> which is the room next to us going for it. We will be crashing their room after this. Of course, we will. <laughs> yeah, we'll serenade your listeners a bit later. <laughs> So, I've never had anyone on the podcast yet who has taken a trip that you guys took in 2013. And I thought it'd be really interesting to talk about it with you because it was a long-term, I think a true adventure. Yeah, it, 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 <laughs> it turned out that way. It definitely was an amazing adventure. And it's something that was we had discussed for you know, quite a while before. Right? Yeah, so first probably. of all, let's lay out the scene. Okay. What so was your actually, first thought about what you would do on this trip? That I'm well, now to? we are in Shimokitazawa in Tokyo, I which... Um, is one of our favorite neighborhoods. And this is actually where me and Chuck were in probably 2011. Probably something After like that. I'd yeah. just come back from Africa. And we were sitting in a bar near here talking about going traveling. And it was actually your idea. Well, I had always had this idea, and it was a ridiculous idea, of that I wanted to ride around the world in an ice cream van. <laughs> what? That was always my thing. And this is why I said to Phil, it's like, I, I want to drive around the world in an ice cream van. And me and Phil, up until this point, we've we'd been friends for a few years and we're both quite adventurous. And we're like, what are we going to do? And we're like, me and Phil were like, oh, we're going to move to Cuba. We're going to go and do this. Oh, we're going to move to Mozambique and open up a rumba. We're going to go to like Lebanon and, and, and open a Japanese style karaoke bar. And we'd had all these ideas all the time. And then Phil had gone away to do his safari thing. And this ice cream van thing had come back to me. <laughs> and I'd always, you know, and had this idea many years ago, because ice cream is amazing. When did you first have that thought, would you say? Were you a kid? The ice cream, yeah, child. Okay. <laughs> the first time child I had dream. the ice cream was, what could be better than riding around the world in an I ice cream I think we're going to disappoint everyone. With the songs <laughs> and the, the, the smiles. Well, smiles and, and, and the ice cream, well, And you're never going to go hungry, right? <laughs> so you're always going to have mint chocolate chip, soft serve, <laughs> you know? But, but as we were sitting in this bar, um, you know, we, we live in Japan, but we're both from, we're both British, we're both from England, but we both have strong connections to Southern Africa. Chuck was obviously born in Zimbabwe, mm. and I lived for a bit a few years ago in South Africa too. Um, so we both love that place as well. And so it's kind of formed this perfect triangle, you know? Tokyo to England to Cape Town became this idea. Yeah. Wow, that is a 
how many kilometers do you know? How many kilometers? <laughs> well, we no because when we well, this will come up later, but we never actually checked how many miles were on the clock when we bought the clock when we bought the car. <laughs> okay. So we have no idea how many how many kilometers we actually drove, but it was a lot. So but we kind of you know we we discussed you know we'd handle these ideas of things that we could do to break up our you know monotonous lives. And then <laughs> you know, like Japan does not sound very great, John. But no, that is is it was about breaking up monotony and having a, an adventure. And well, we, I had just come back from one, and I was still kind of buzzing about. He wanted another you know, one, so and I, I was I, I was done. desperate for one. Right. So and we decided that we would do this transco. Well, we did. We kind of suggested it, and then we were we debated it a lot in Yoyogi Park. <laughs> a lot because every Sunday you guys would go to Yogi yes. Park and have picnics yes and that's and we, how our friendship blossomed I would say yes after the Pikachu karaoke yeah. yeah so we would go to the park usually me and Phil would be there first and we'd, we'd have a few drinks and run. discuss our like dreams and ideas okay. and then fast forward about a year yeah and why were we in Thailand? Because it was Christmas. <laughs> okay, we, 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 were, we were in Thailand. <laughs> as one randomly is sometimes. Which part of Thailand? In Bangkok. And we met... I was with my mother as well. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And we were only meeting up. You were going down to the islands, and I was going to Chiang Mai with my mum. And we met on Christmas Eve Yeah. on the Khao San Road. And, you know, the Khao San Road... Legendary... Legendary Khao Road, which is hostel, very touristy, hostel-y. Yeah, yeah. And we had a bucket, and then we looked each other <laughs> in the eye. That's embarrassing at the age we were at the time. We were, we were old enough to know better. But, uh, <laughs> we didn't know <laughs> But we didn't know any better. We looked each, other's, each other in the <laughs> eye, and we said, should we do it? Let's just do it. And then we decided, yes, let's do it. Though I have to add, immediately, we didn't do it in an ice cream van. No. Sorry. <sighs> Sorry to ruin everything. We didn't do it in ice cream. Why not? Um, it, because when we looked at the terrain we'd be driving across, it didn't seem sensible. And Japan, I don't think Japan has ice cream vans. That's a good point. I haven't. I've oh, seen the. That is the, a fair point. I've seen the trucks that collect electronic goods, but not yeah. pickup trucks that take up. Yeah. With speakers, but anyway, you're right. I haven't seen an ice cream truck. That's. Yeah, that is weird. That, oh. That's a gap in the market. Oh <laughs> New business. <laughs> so we just we kind of decided that at that moment that we were going to do it, and then Phil realized at that time I already knew it. I don't drive. He cannot drive. You don't drive. I don't have a driving license. <laughs> so he's, we plan to drive around the world and chuck. Well, I planned this since I was about six years old, <laughs> and I don't have a driving license. And he promised me that he uh-huh. was going to learn immediately. <laughs> How old were you at the time? Would you mind me asking? Well, when I promised, when about promised? 32. <laughs> he, he promised me he'd learn immediately. Uh, he promised me he'd learn after his next paycheck, and then after the next one, and then after the next one, and it just never happened in the end. So we needed another driver, um, and immediately I thought of my friend Sammy, an Australian girl who I'd met in South Africa. and. She is a proper adventurer. She's still off having adventures right now. And I, I literally, I sent her an email saying, Hello, Sammy. Do you fancy driving around the world in a few months? And she went, Yeah, right then. 
And I did meet Sammy. Do you remember? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I went to your farewell party. Oh yeah, of course. And about yeah. with this, and Sammy was yeah. She's a, she's a she's a paramedic. No, no. She <laughs> she's has... a barrister. Okay. Well, actually, she mostly works in like hospitality out in the wilderness in Australia. She works on like a national park, the Kimberleys. Okay, I remember that she it. had some outdoor experience, or there was something. Yeah, loads. She had a brave job, let's say. But... Well, and she did the safari guide training with me in South Africa. She's pretty full on. I did not know you trained as a safari guide. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I had a safari guide license. <laughs> All right. Um, as did Sammy. That's how we... So you knew Sammy was up for this? Yeah, I knew she could handle it, and she was really nonchalant about it. She was like, yeah, okay. And then we just started We went planning. from there. And I was like, okay, there's two drivers. I don't have to do anything. <laughs> and we, we went from there. And Chuck yeah. and Sammy had actually never met, but I was confident that they would get on. And they did. Yeah. We we go. She likes me more than him. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> you're very you're a very social person, Chuck. I, I I think I if I talked to you on the phone, I'd be ready to meet you. Oh, I'm not good on the phone you. though. Oh, okay. He gets I can't nervous. say I've ever called you. Too get nervous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so how did you start this? How did you get the car? Where did you get? Well, we decided, uh, like on obviously on Christmas Eve. In Bangkok, on the Khao San Road, over a bucket, we cheers to be like, okay, we're going to do it. And then we got kind of decided that obviously Phil couldn't do it all by himself because I don't have a driving license. And so I think Phil invited Sammy in about February. Possibly. I don't remember. I don't, I don't remember the details, but it was, there was a little, you know, obviously we'd come back from, from adventure, well, holidays. and. It was actually very clever to invite Sammy because she did most of the planning. <laughs> wow. Uh, most as, as far of the, as yeah. the planning went. Um, but for the car, just I just basically went on Google and looked at what would be the best. I, I already had some ideas from when I, the cars I was driving in Africa. Um, really, I wanted a Land Cruiser, but we couldn't afford one. So I got a Hilux, um, which is an indestructible Toyota SUV. Okay. Um, and I, you know, I did a bit of research on which models were the most reliable and what I could get for a good price here. And yeah, just had a look around. The home of the Toyota. Yeah. Yeah, and it was... it was Very cheap and in very good condition. And Do you remember how much it was? I paid... Um, four and a half four, thousand? About four thousand US dollars. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it was old, but it was in really great condition. She was like a 96? 96. Seven? Seven. 97. I yeah. do know that Japanese people take care of their things like nobody else yeah. in the world. So yeah. You can, yeah, it was in, it was in perfect condition. Yes. You know? yeah. um, I mean, and those those cars will go forever. <laughs> and we, we certainly tested it. You know? But you didn't check how many miles were on it. I, I did. I just didn't write it down. Oh, uh, I see. Yeah. Okay. So you got the car in Japan. Uh-huh. How do you get it? So where were you going first after after Japan? Well, we wanted obviously we want, the plan was to go Tokyo to Cape Town mm-hmm. um, via England. Via yeah. So the plan we we left Japan in June, the end of June, uh, and we were planning. Well, we did. We we achieved the plan. Uh, it was to get to the UK for Christmas. For Christmas. Uh, and so we we had a, a vague route and like you know obviously like China and Russia they have visa, visa restrictions issues. so we had to plan those kind of places and you're in the perfect city to get them right yeah, yeah and it's something that you know I think if you are planning a, a big adventure requiring vehicles and stuff 
that you shouldn't worry too much because it is not that difficult. No, I mean, it's it's a slight pain at borders and that's it. You know, yeah. Like yeah. we didn't, well, <laughs> we only had one right actual reasons, big problem. Definitely do the research before. Yes, there are certain visas you have to have, but a lot of them you, you don't, you know. Once we got past Uzbekistan, we didn't really have any visa issues at all, did we? That no, and, and even just like planning it, it wasn't that difficult no. to to do it. Mm-hmm. And you just checked all the countries you're going to be going through and made checks. Yeah, we, just like the first the first three months, we we had to get the visas kind of in advance because it was Russia and Soviet ex Soviet states and stuff. So we had to plan for that. But basically, if you were you know if anyone wanted to do a, a similar kind of trip you you don't really have to it's definitely doable it's definitely doable. yeah with okay. a, with a little bit of research as to where you're going um it's really not that big a deal you just have to have current buy car insurance on most borders okay yeah. i did not know that yeah I wouldn't think to buy it at the border yeah okay and no. at, at some and that's agency it. or um, right at the border i don't i'm yeah. asking if someone's never done this often it was just they would tell you where to get it Okay. at the border in most cases and, and then how, once you get to Europe you what were you using to navigate Google Maps uh, yeah no, we, no, we, we, we had to because we didn't have phones so uh, oh like we didn't have any internet connection we had yeah we had phones but we but, and so this is probably know, we completely different now because this is like five years ago we had a I think it was called Maps for Me Maps with me Maps something like that an offline GPS map thing okay. which was reliable up and to the point and then yeah. you'd find your, you'd look at your map and you were in the middle of a lake or something and you're like okay we're not in the middle of a lake um, but so the actual in terms of the actual adventure we from Tokyo we went um, to Sakai Minato which is in Totori in East Japan on the, on the coast and from there we took a ferry via Korea yeah. Where did we stop in Korea? I had it in my brain. Somewhere in Korea. Yeah. Uh, we stopped at a port just for a few hours, long enough to go and eat um, in Korea. And then we went to Vladivostok in Russia. Yeah. And from there, it was all by road until we got to the Caspian Sea. Yeah. So. And it was warm at that time. We, yeah, so we left June. at the end of June and... We crossed Siberia in the summer. Which was amazing. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. So many bugs, but we, we, we kind of planned that obviously from Vladivostok until basically half, half the way to Europe, there's nothing there. There's like two or three cities. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was amazing. You know how in small countries, oh, maybe it's different for you, you're from a big country, but for us, when you're leaving a city in the UK and you see the road signs, it says, you know, the next town is like 10 miles away or 20 miles away. We would leave towns in Russia and the next town would be a thousand kilometers away kind of thing. Two thousand. I remember when we left Tabarovsk, like the next, I think it was Urkutsk, it was even Chita, was two thousand kilometers away. <laughs> and I remember us being like looking at the sign and going, we should take a picture of that. Yeah. And we never did. Uh, <laughs> and just carried on driving. But it was like 2,300 kilometers from Habarovsk to Urkutsk. To like Lake Baikal, yeah. So what was your typical day like? What time of the day did you leave? How much driving did you do every day? Who was driving? I did none. <laughs> it really Which depended on where we were. <laughs> like when we were in like full wilderness, like Siberia, we had to get the miles done. So we'd wake up 
not too late and, and crack on and do like 500 kilometers a day if we could um, yeah it depended on the roads you know the condition of the roads and were they pretty bad in Siberia Russia was alright well once once we got past Habarovsk do you remember getting to Habarovsk Hab- getting to Habarovsk was it was still being built basically okay. but from Habarovsk right across Russia there is a serviceable road I can't say much for the other drivers on the road, but the road itself was not bad. It's not a big road. It's not a highway by any. It's a standards. single carriageway. Yeah. Okay. But, but the, the quality of the road seems okay. Reasonable, right? yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, for the most part. And did you guys have music? Oh so? yes, <laughs> of course. That's how we stayed sane. Lots of playlists yeah. that you made ahead of time, or just the rate Russian. Radio? Well, actually, not that many playlists. But it, it seemed like <laughs> enough until we'd been in the car for a few weeks, and then, <laughs> then we started to go. I remember because I went to Russia in two thousand six. Right. I uh, did the Trans Siberian. Ah, uh, did you? Yeah, awesome. in the in the winter. Wow. Uh, I look back and ask myself why, why that time, but it felt like real Russia. But I do remember the Russian radio being hilarious. Huh. The music was so, I don't know, it sounded like the 1980s or right. the 70s. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Did you turn on the radio very often? Or? No, I don't think we ever turned on the radio, actually. Well, we, turned, we, we, had the radio. we had to, some, like, tapes. CDs. To learn Russian. Oh, yeah, oh. that's right. And it was just like we're in the... <laughs> which was like I don't speak Russian we're just like I don't speak Russian I don't, and we're just all in the car saying <laughs> I don't speak Russian I don't speak Russian <laughs> were you going into English teacher mode like do you speak Russian no I don't speak Russian exactly it was that, like yeah, that role yeah. <laughs> but Siberia in the summer despite the bugs was absolutely beautiful you know the really long nights you know, we'd, we'd stop after a day of driving, set up camp, light a fire, cook dinner, sit around, have a drink. And now like, you're starting to feel like it should be time for bed, but it's still full daylight. Um, it didn't get dark until what, 11, no. 11.30, something like that. It was. Did you have two tents that you were... No, 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 we had one big I tent. think that kind of one of the things that, when, when I think back about it is that I think we prepared it very well, but when we talk about it together, we're like, uh, we were woefully underprepared. <laughs> we didn't. What felt underprepared? Well, we didn't really, we didn't really think about. We just like, okay, we need everything. We need everything. We brought too much stuff we didn't need and not enough stuff we needed. <laughs> yeah, pretty what much. What did you not bring that you really needed? Um, we should have paid a lot more money for a much higher quality cool box. Yeah, and a tent as well. The tent was great. We took, we decided... <laughs> it was the palace. <laughs> we decided on taking, like, uh, a Costco uh, eight-man tent. There were three. For three people. So it was very comfortable, and it was very comfortable in the summer months. Uh, yeah. But as soon as it got cold... It, it got would, really yeah, cold. It, would, yeah. it was basically like sleeping out in the open. Wow. It was pretty cold. Especially when we were on like the top of the mountains and things like that. And then you have way too much space in there for the three of you. So if you had a small oh, no, size no. tent, uh, then you at the, at the beginning the we had no space because we. No, she means in the tent, not oh, in the car. Oh, in the tent. <laughs> a bit loads of space in the tent. That was good, you know, because we were spent so much time in the tent. A bit of space wasn't really necessary, you know. Right. I, we would have gone mad in the little tents, I think. And I think that's like when we when we packed the tent and uh, pat, sorry we packed the car and when we first packed the car it was. Ram pat. There was not not a. You couldn't have 
snuck a mini Snickers in there. It was just so full. Yeah. It was so full. When we got to the UK, you could have fit like, you know. Well, we actually fit two more people and their bags in it by the time we got yes. to the UK. <laughs> wow. So it was, and we were very, we didn't really think about what we needed to take. Mm-hmm. Like maybe just some, I would think, just putting yourself in certain situations in your head while you're packing would be really Yeah, helpful. I think like, before, you, before you travel, you get very kind of concerned about certain things. And me and Phil are quite different because, you know, I get very concerned about, like, kind of... Having enough vinegar. Nature. <laughs> I get concerned about nature. Like, oh, my God, I'm going to be killed by a bear. Uh, Having Phil, had a bit more experience in the wilderness, those things didn't worry me. Don't really bother you, yeah. right? I was more worried about um, the car getting broken into in dodgy parts of cities. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. And for me, I'm not really worried about people or, or kind of violent situations. Or potentially violent situations. So I, I just have always been able to kind of just be like, oh, nothing, nothing bad's <laughs> going to happen. And, and so we kind of had this, this kind of different way. Well, I think that kind of served as well. Yeah. So, okay, you're in Russia. Siberia was beautiful in the summer. Right. You were cooking every night. And I want to stop for a second and talk about the food because, Chuck, you're a very good cook. You can make magic with ingredients. We, we took a large box with us full of amazing ingredients. Such as? Uh, numerous vinegars, spices, oils. It was stolen. What? Yeah. We, we, it was stolen from us. Uh, at In a Russia? campsite. Yeah. In Russia, yeah. Uh, and it just kind of, I think that proved that we could just carry on going because that we didn't need any of the things that we brought with us <laughs> huh. yeah we, we we lost the box did you just wake up in the morning and you notice it was gone yes literally it was the first time okay. we actually stayed in a real campsite we'd been camping in in the wilderness before that and we camped in an actual campsite and I think we should say like basically from Vladivostok well the entire trip we basically camped when we could just anywhere Okay. Anyway, it was not like we were looking for campsites. We would drive down a, a dirt track uh, when we were tired, yeah. when the drivers were tired, because I didn't drive, uh, and we would decide, okay, we're going to look for a campsite in, in 10, 15 minutes. Sometimes we found one immediately. Sometimes it took an hour to yeah. find a, a kind of a suitable spot. We just wanted suitable? somewhere out of, the, out of sight of the road. Um, and somewhere that had a bit of cover from any wind or whatever and some uh, wood to make a fire. Did you ever have any issues with the place you chose for the no. night? Like, did someone come up and we, knock on your tent? No. no, but some people... Do you remember that time we were next to that river in Russia? And some that other was in people Kazakhstan. Came, yeah, that was Kazakhstan. Yeah. People came and camped near us, or, but they didn't bother us at all. Yeah. Yeah, because well, no, because you're allowed in in Russia and in in Central Asia, um, if it's not private land or church land, you're allowed to camp wherever you want. Oh, um, very and detailed. so people do, you know. And often we'd find a place where, oh, this is a cool campsite, and obviously other people had used it because we'd find rubbish or signs of other people having yep, fires burnt out fires. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, so okay. yeah, you can I'd make it pr- relatively easy. Yeah, so and it is very easy. Like cheap. the whole the whole way basically from Vladivostok, at least as because we went Vladivostok as far as Novosibirsk, 
which is basically halfway. It's the geographical centre of the Soviet Empire, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. 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 And we basically in cities we would couch surf. Uh, and until Kazakhstan we did couch surf we didn't yeah. hostel or anything and then if we couldn't couch surf we would stay in a hostel in the cities yeah okay uh, that, that sounds like it would be very cheap like keeping all the costs yeah 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 our, our main expense was um, petrol uh, gasoline mm-hmm. um, car insurance and, and beer alcohol <laughs> <laughs> lots of vodka in Russia uh, lots uh, lots yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. That was one of our, our favorite moments was leaving Russia to go to Kazakhstan. The, uh, so that was your next place. Okay. Yeah, so the, the soldier on the border, you know, he came over, strolls over with his AK-47, and he had one of those mirrors for checking under the car and all that. And he, he gave it like a little check, and he said, you have any guns? Well, no, 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 no. You have any drugs? No, no, no. no. You have any vodka? Yes. <laughs> Okay, you can go. <laughs> and yeah. it seemed like that was the correct answer. If we said no to the vodka, I think you would have stopped us and searched yeah, the yeah, car. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So after Russia was Central Asia, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, so along the Silk Road, basically, um, then back into Kazakhstan briefly, and across yeah, the Caspian and- Sea. I, would, I, would, I, I think that if anyone were to consider a similar adventure is not to worry so much about anything because it was exceptional. You know, we had problems with the police. Like what? As in they, well, as in they always wanted to stop us for speeding, but it was very... They were very looking for bribes. They were looking for bribes. And yeah, if you have like... No, I wasn't speeding. You know, you can wear them down where they're just like, okay, the 10 cars have just gone past, so I'm, you know, I've lost 10. We, we learned how to get out of it. Okay, so you yeah. didn't pay many bribes. We, we paid a few at the beginning. Yeah. And then I paid a lot more in Zimbabwe. But in Central Asia, we learned how to get out of it. You just ask for an actual ticket and say you'll pay it in the police station. And then they say, okay, you can go. Good tip. But, <laughs> but not, not to cast aspersions because the... the one of the big surprises for me in both Russia and Central Asia was just how lovely the people were. That is the karaoke call. Yeah, that's the 10 minute warning. Yeah, in every karaoke room in Japan, they will give you a call 10 minutes before you're done and ask you if you want to extend. And we do. Thank you guys. <laughs> And so yeah, like everyone we met were unbelievably hospitable and welcoming yeah. and friendly. Um, of course the couch surfers were, but also just random strangers. Um, and I think unbelievably that's, nice. that's one thing that, you know, I don't know, I, I have felt, this is kind of maybe irrelevant, but in the last like five years where a- Airbnb has like swamped everyone's consciousness, is that not to forget like couch surfing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because couch surfing is a free service, and it was when we stayed with people that we met on couch surfing. It was the best experience yeah. we had, and it was a true. You know, it's like Airbnb is kind of claiming, "Oh, you get really local or whatever." You can't get more local than couch surfing. Some of the people are still our friends now. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like we have. 
people come to visit us that are people Russia, that we stayed yeah. with them, you know? And I think the couch surfing thing is really the, the best way to fully kind of get a, a, a realistic experience. You know, obviously if you're driving anywhere, then you're, you're getting kind of, we were in our car driving around, experiencing, we had loads of completely random situations. Yeah. But when you go and stay with someone and they take you under their wing and take you to the places they go and they're basically living in that city and just like, oh, and now, now you're yeah, my yeah, friends. Yeah, yeah. You're, yeah, you're my friends. Time. We're going to take you out. We're going to go and drink by the river and whatever, you know. And we had some crazy ones as well when they were like crazy, like Christian people. <laughs> and they tried to convert us into join their cult. But we... Not we, aggressively, though. No, not aggressively. Okay. Not aggressively. Well, one of the ones I always remember is the guy in Cheetah. Do you remember him? Yeah. So it's this Cheetah? random city in the middle of Siberia. And we met this guy who was, you know, a big, burly Russian guy who didn't speak great English. And when we met him, you know, he was the typical not smiling kind very stoic much kind of guy. Kind of, yeah. And the first thing he said was, uh, my mother is sick. And we were like, oh, this means he's cancelling. We're going to have to go and find somewhere else to stay uh, but he just said no, my mother's sick so I'm going to stay with her here's the key to my apartment here's the address we'd met him for five minutes and he gave us the key to his apartment and said make yourself at home yeah you know? wow yeah and he showed us around he took us out for dinner he took us out for lunch but the Wouldn't... first day he, he kind of that's what he said the first day is like we kind of met him wherever he had said he dropped us off at the apartment he told us how to use the washing machine right uh, and then the next, he's like, do you want me to show you around tomorrow? And we were like, yes, please. And so that night, we had the night by ourselves. And the next day, he kind of came over and yeah. then took us for a walk. And then took us out for a like really, a really nice lunch. the best meal in Russia we yeah. had, you know. And the whole couch surfing thing was the best way to kind of meet yeah, yeah. To and have that was all a, the goodness of his heart, you know. We didn't. We tried to like buy lunch and things like that because usually when you're couch surfing, you there's no money is allowed, but you usually give them a present or take them out for dinner. So we were we tried to pay for this lovely lunch to say thank you to him, and he was having none of it. He was like, "Did you just yeah. say most of these places one night?" It, it really no, we did like two or three nights. We, I don't heard, think we ever stayed anywhere one should, night. You should do that for couch surfing. One night is like not nice to the host, really, because they may not have time. And to kind really of, we we always decided that like because we were traveling such large distances where we would be staying, we'd be camping. One night, one night, one night, one night, all the way. That if we got to a city, we would have a night to kind of relax, have some drinks, do the laundry, yeah. and Even actually see the city. You know, yeah. you know, have a proper wash. I think know? that's that's yeah. a great, you know, great plan. That's what I would have done. And I think kind of the the Airbnb thing. I don't know if whoever made Airbnb kind of got that from couch surfing because I think couch surfing started in like two thousand four, two thousand five. Uh, I believe that kind of Airbnb has taken over from that and I don't know I don't you know I haven't used couch surfing in a few years but yeah. it was such a great way to really feel the the place and get in touch with that place and me you know they you know the Christian the crazy Christians wanted 
to convert us and that we stay there forever. But, uh... <laughs> but it, it wasn't only the couch surfers, though. Like in, in Kazakhstan, um, we had a small, a minor kind of car accident, um, and we needed, we needed to be pulled out of a, a big hole in the ground. Um, and uh, this guy shows up. That was a whole big story. But anyway, it turns out this guy came in his tractor, a farmer, a local farmer came in his tractor and pulled us out. And it turned out it was his land we were on. We were looking for a campsite. And not only was he not annoyed that we were camping on his land, he was like, why didn't you just come to my... I mean, he lived in a yurt, you know, a girl. He didn't have a house, but he said, why didn't you just... It, it seemed strange that we hadn't come and camped next to his yurts. That we had camped, you know, half a kilometre away or two kilometres away. And he was like, yeah, just come with me. And so we went and put our tent up next to his yurt and had dinner with him. And we stayed there for like stayed three, there four for a days. few days. And oh, they, oh, wow. they killed a sheep for us and had a big party. And You know, this was a, a random guy that we had met by having a car accident on his land, you know. You just like, I guess you fell down the ravine with the car? Um, Sammy reversed, it wasn't me. <laughs> Sammy reversed into a well. <laughs> oh, wow. A well, it was just a giant hole that was 10 meters deep. Was the car all right, or did it... It be... seemed like it was going to be really But it was like, it was kind stuff. of, it was teetering on the edge. It oh, was teetering, wow. yeah. Okay. Like, I was hanging out of the car to try and counterweight it so it wouldn't fall all the way in. <laughs> and it didn't. It didn't. Yeah. The tractor and I thought I broke the axle. But I think that was like one of the the first times that we actually realised, you know, we were when we were planning the trip, we were most worried about Russia and the Russian speaking world. Uh, and it soon became evident that we shouldn't have worried about yeah. Russia and that we shouldn't worry about anything. And basically, I think as long as you've got the right attitude you're going to be okay you know it's going to be you can drive across the world uh, and be slightly unprepared for it what and, I have to say I have and do it you know it's like completely you can do it and every time we had any kind of problem um, we were helped out of the problem by strangers basically yeah. and, and it really showed that apart from the time I got arrested Wait, what? <laughs> this story needs to be shared. No, this is irrelevant. <laughs> Sorry, cut this. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, How long did you spend in jail, Chuck? No, I, I never went to jail, but uh, we, uh, we, we both we had we both one had one night in uh, <laughs> purgatory. Uh, yeah. Locked down. The, both of our major problems with the law were in Kazakhstan. Did you enjoy Kazakhstan in general? Apart from beautiful. That, yes. It's absolutely stunningly beautiful. The yeah. police are up for everything they can get. Oh, it was more than two. Do you remember when we, we were in that national park and we got chased? <laughs> we were in a car chase. Yeah, I remember when you sent me off to the other car. <laughs> I did not send you off. They took you at gunpoint. That was not me sending you off. No guns. <laughs> I think I volunteered. Did you know no guns? They all had rifles, Chuck. They didn't send me off at gunpoint. I volunteered to go in the other car. <laughs> I feel there are a lot of stories that we just don't have time no, for. No, there's podcast. But it's like, I think that... You know, what I would like to say is that you can do something like that or do anything that you would like to do and it's okay. Nothing ever bad is really going to happen and that you should relish. Hopefully. <laughs> you should relish everything. You know, the bad experiences. Become the best stories. The best stories. <laughs> they but really do. They people really do. always say to me, like, I could never do that. 
and I, why they not? soak it. They soak <laughs> yeah. it. Everyone soak it. There, there's there's basically no. Like my no my my mother is seventy five years old, and she tells me these stories of her driving around Africa in the in the sixties. To be fair, she's still much tougher than you. I know, <laughs> and. She's like, yeah, you know, we used to just go camping. We just like open up the back and sleep on the riverbank. And I'm just like, could be eaten by crocodiles, you know? And she's like, oh, we didn't think about it back then. She wouldn't do it now, but. I think the TV and the media has just spread so many stories about so many yes. countries that yeah. it's and not I, actually true. No, no, definitely not. And I think kind of having an attitude of that it is going to be all right is very important because basically it is going to be all right. People are generally good. Yeah, that's the thing. People, wherever you are in the world, are mostly nice. I have found the same. And I, I think I'm like you, Chuck, in that I'm always like positive about people. I'm very social. And so I've never been worried when I go places because I think I can talk myself out of this or make friends with these people because I believe that they're good right. and that they will be. Yeah, yeah, I... I really believe that you can just whoever you meet well whoever I meet I can get out of any Nazi situation <laughs> <laughs> Phil, Phil's a big tough guy so it's a bit harder for him but uh, well just when those situations arise it tends to be aimed at me rather than you you can remain blissfully oblivious Never, yeah. never go sausage shopping with Phil. That's, always... <laughs> That's not a euphemism. <laughs> so you, so okay, you you've made reference to this. You did eventually get to London together with Sammy. Well, we, even with more people, we we met. We picked um... people up on the way. We. One of the nicest things that I think that happened was when we met that Japanese guy. You, oh, yeah. What was his name? You 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 Uchiro, I think it was Uchiro. Yeah. And, and we'd first met him in Tashkent in Uzbekistan uh, and then we met him in Bukhara which is like one of the, the like the second biggest uh, Silk Road cities and then we were like well we're going to go to Kazakhstan again because we had to, that's where we had to get the ferry, the ferry to go across the, the Caspian to get to Azerbaijan and he was like, well, I'll come to Kiva with you, which is the last uh, Silk Road city in Uzbekistan. And which, so we by the way, if you have a chance to do the Silk Road cities in Uzbekistan, is absolutely beautiful and amazing. I heard Uzbekistani food is also really good. Oh, no. Nah, nah, nah. no? It, it was much better than Kazakh food. No offense. <laughs> um, <laughs> the food in that area, if you're going to go to touristy places, is okay, but if if you're so eating you street like food okay. yeah. <laughs> basically I don't think yeah, the first amazing meal I think we had was in Georgia Turkey. oh I've heard uh, yeah, the bread I've had Georgian food once it was Best it was like yeah it was like three months of like greasy rice and lamb and lamb and lamb and lamb and, and Russian lamb dumplings fat. dumplings dumplings <laughs> and soup and beetroot and dill dill everywhere uh but it was funny, you know, and you don't you don't travel for the food, do you? Sometimes. Oh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> There's tears rolling down my cheeks right now. <laughs> so you picked up a Japanese guy in Uzbekistan, uh-huh. and then and then um, in Amsterdam we picked up Carol and Peter. Oh. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and in Berlin, we picked ours. up Tack. Oh, yeah, we yeah. met another friend of ours in Berlin. Um, so we had a, a car full of people when we got back to England. How many yeah. people is this in the car at that point? Six. six. Yeah. Five or six. You know, it was, it was a big enough car. It was a squeeze. But kind of, you know, the car, when we left Japan, we have this photo of, like, literally Sammy squeezing the last, like... It was Tetris every day to get things in. <laughs> and by the end, it was just like, we got rid of the shower tent, we got rid of the cool box, we got rid of so much stuff. Yeah. Um, we kept the essentials, and I think that if you are planning that kind of trip, a shovel... <laughs> Absolutely. A shovel. a shovel is essential. Wouldn't have thought of it, actually. Wouldn't have been my first thought. Yeah, no, you need a shovel. Hmm. And gaffer tape and an axe. Yeah, shovel, gaffer tape, axe, like a medical box of medical some box. sort. Uh, and that's a flashlight. Yeah. Yes. And batteries. Lots of batteries. Music, money. <laughs> and that's it. But that's you know, it. like we <laughs> we left um like when we when we would left we were like oh my god we're unprepared and then the further we went the less stuff we realised we needed we actually yeah. needed how many outfits did you have is what I should say <laughs> that's like, a, sorry you, that's you, a girl's question were you wearing <laughs> were you wearing like the same shirt every day or two shirts we basically probably could go a week or ten days without washing yeah yeah, yeah. but when we you so know, that's we kind of standard travelling yeah about. That's yeah. what I'm about doing now. Yeah. No. Hmm. Okay. So you got you made it to London. Yeah. How long did it take? Six Seven months. months. Six and a bit months. <laughs> Do you remember the day you arrived? Was it Christmas Eve? Or no, Christmas? because we, we had a bit of time. Because um, I went to university in Norwich, and one of our best friends from Tokyo is from Norwich, so we had a f- couple of nights there just before Christmas, and then I dropped... Chuck and Sammy off at, did I? At your mum's house? And I got home on Christmas yes. Eve. Yeah. So probably we arrived around like the 20th or something like that. Okay, early. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Wow. And how, that goodbye must have been, well, I don't know. So you planned to go to Cape Town. Well, together, yeah. Together, all three of you? Yeah. That was the original plan. Well, money. Expensive? Chuck had completely run out of money and had to come back to work. Just didn't. But, like, the budget was just totally... Maybe the, well, the petrol Well, I, I think that, you know, like, it's better... And I remember in uh, Kyrgyzstan, we, we, we met... We were in this hostel, and it was very popular for Japanese people in this hostel. Mm-hmm. And we met this guy in in that hostel. It was a Japanese, Japanese guy. Owned it. That's why. Yes, yeah. But there, there was this Japanese guy there, and he's like, yeah, I've been traveling for a year, but he refused to spend any money at all so basically he would stay he got he traveled he'd been traveling for you know a long time mm-hmm. but he had no money so he basically he would stay in the hostel 24 hours a day and yeah. eat cup noodles oh that's not that's and, not and haggle over the traveling. price of a yeah yes. coke yeah. yeah so he'd be like oh. he you we went at the time we went to this like the Kyrgyz once a year independence festival oh, yeah. and we all went there and he was like haggling over the price of a coke oh wow uh, it's so stressful, that I think yeah. it's so stressful like and you know why are you even bothering to do that if you're going to haggle over that 
Mm-hmm. So we did not live like that. We were quite liberal. We wanted to enjoy everything that we did, and we wanted to, in, rather than say we must get to Cape Town, it was more like Cape Town is the goal, mm-hmm. but we're going to enjoy ourselves the entire way. Okay. And it didn't kind of get like well, that. Well, we but, almost got there. Well, we shipped the car. To, we shipped the car to Mozambique. Yeah, yeah. so from, from, from England, put the car on a ship to Mozambique, and me and Sammy went by normal means to Spain and Morocco, and okay. then flew from Morocco down to Southern Africa and went to get the car in Mozambique. Mm-hmm. And after much, much hassle, never send anything to Mozambique. <laughs> um, we had a bit of a nightmare getting the ship out of customs, uh, but eventually we did, and then we drove to Zimbabwe uh, and met Chuck again in Zimbabwe mm-hmm. um, and we stayed in Zimbabwe for a bit and from there Chuck and Sammy both went home and you and I went, went but you went down to Cape Town yeah and I went through Botswana and Namibia and then finally with the Toyota no um, oh. we lost the Toyota Wait, what? <laughs> we uh, sold the Toyota yeah, sold to my Toyota. dad in so Betty is waiting for us. She still exists. She's yeah, still yeah, exists. Yeah, yeah. She's still yeah. in the family. She's still in the family. Wow, Though, that's amazing. Yeah, when I my lawyers just... will deny that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I went on one of those overlanders through um, Botswana and Namibia. And oh, on a tour. Okay. Yeah, okay. you know those big overland trips. Multi month tours. Yeah. yeah, or sometimes just a few weeks. Yeah, yeah. and made it to. Cape Town in the end. Well, it's, it's great that one member did. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I understand. I, I would do the same, Chuck, with like, I don't, I wouldn't want to have you over Coke every day. And no. No, no, no. And we, we really, I, I feel that we really made the most of every place that we went to stay. Mm-hmm. And that we enjoyed it as we would enjoy our normal lives with a salary. And... We were a bit careful. We, 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 we didn't go stupid, careful. but we enjoyed ourselves. Yes, yeah, that's what we I mean. We made like, sure we, we didn't deny ourselves things, you know. We were, we were careful. We, we did not be. deny ourselves anything. And I would, I would recommend that yeah. as a travel, a travel philosophy is to not deny yourself things. Is Including to, going traveling in the first place. Right. I think yes. a lot of people just sit at home and they plan. I understand if they're saving money. and they, But, but some, people, <laughs> some people really... They wait too long and they try to save too long before they go. And I think your youth and your health is really a time to seize that yeah. opportunity to go somewhere. Yeah, yeah, and I think what challenging like the, you did. The, the, this trip taught taught me at least was to not be scared and not to worry about what could happen and just to let your hair down and enjoy it. Because basically everyone was really nice. Mm-hmm. Even the bad experiences were hilarious, and unless you're putting, you know, pressure on other people, nothing is is bad is going to happen. And we right? saw some incredibly beautiful places. Yes, we were unbelievable places. You know, and the the whole car thing was, I mean, you know, basically I didn't have a driving license. Mm-hmm. I didn't know Sammy. You know, I known Phil for a few years. Phil. Drives, but he was not. You weren't. I mean, you'd been like, in Tokyo. You hadn't right, been driving I hadn't regularly. Been driving for ages. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, I didn't feel that confident driving in Russia. You know. Right. But you see him get your feet up. 
and so, some of the places we, like having the car you know it was a double-edged sword there were times when it was like a, an anchor you know we had the paperwork and the insurance and all of that stuff was a bit of a pain but it gave us so much freedom and it gave us kind of a home base you know the car was our, our like kind of safe zone wherever we were it always gave us like that was our home basically um, so having the car was fantastic and we went to some places we would never have been able to go to otherwise yeah on a, on a like we went to just Cockpit <laughs> <laughs> this place called Cockpit we ended up going to like five times but where was it uh, near that canyon five times. it was near the Charon Canyon Charon Canyon and Charon Canyon is I think it's in the top three it's much smaller than the Grand Canyon but it was uh, it, it is a massive Canyon, and just, just like absolutely, absolutely no one place. there, nobody there. In Cockpit as a town, Cockpit yeah, was near there. We'd already passed through like five times, but uh, it was near Cockpit. But we love Cockpit. Why? <laughs> I'm really curious why you love Cockpit. Why you went there five times? Oh, just because we were, It seemed to be. <laughs> it seemed to be in a convenient place to stop every time we were driving somewhere. But like one of my the most beautiful experiences I had on the whole trip was at the top of the mountain in Kyrgyzstan. Um, we were in this kind of alpine meadow where we couldn't see any other, you know, humans at all. Over, over one hill was like a little yurt village, but we were completely alone in this kind of valley. Valley? It's, I don't Dip. Know. Dip. <laughs> <laughs> and just there would be like, we had it was absolutely beautiful place to camp in this big lake, and every now and then like a, a herdsman would ride past, and it must be in their culture to stop because every single person stopped. Some would just stop for five minutes and say hello. Sometimes they'd stop for an hour and have a cup of tea or a glass of vodka with us, or, you know. And we'd ride their horses and stuff, but all of them did it. They'd come and they'd tie their horse to our car and sit down in one of our seats. Oh even my goodness. If, even if they didn't speak one one word of English and we would like hang out with them for a bit and then they'd go on their way, take they were herding horses or cows or oh, sheep, sheep or yeah. whatever, yak. Yeah. Oh. Um, it just sounds like a place I'd want to stay forever. It was amazing and it was so beautiful. Like one night I woke up to go to the bathroom and like when I went outside, you know, there's zero light pollution and like, the moon and the stars were so bright and everything was covered in frost because it was freezing we were like 3,000 meters or something everything was covered in frost so it just was like we were sunburned and I was just like <laughs> guys guys wake up and come and look at this because it was just unbelievable you know wow. and you'd never find a place like that going on a bloody tour and no one will take that memory from you either yeah. and you still have it yeah. so clear in your mind five years later yeah and I just think that if anyone has the desire like you know for me just like being like I'm gonna have an ice I'm gonna buy an ice cream van and sell ice cream and drive across the world and <laughs> still, you still should do it Chuck. I'd love to mint chocolate chip <laughs> only though you should, you should raspberry ripple <laughs> Becky no, what's be your favourite what's your favourite oh I really love co- coffee and coconut those oh. flavours of ice cream Weird. <laughs> oh, and chocolate chip cookie dough and then chocolate. All right, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, those are the ones I loved as a kid. But yeah. No, but okay. to think, like, if if anyone had the idea of just like, oh, I can drive across, you really can't do it. It's it's not that difficult. Right. 
Um, we, we met people doing much crazier things than us. We oh, met yeah, people yeah, cycling yeah. across the world and, or on motorbikes or whatever, or doing a trip like ours with kids. Wow. All kinds of crazy people. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that I find myself more and more drawn to wild adventures right. such as you're talking about, getting way off the grid, not being on the tours per se, although right. I do love meeting the people on tours. Oh yeah, absolutely. And um, the thing is, on, on, like, on, on our trip, you do meet the people, and you meet people randomly, and or you, you, you sign up to couch surfing, and you meet some amazing people, like really genuine people that are just want to meet foreigners as well. And especially, I would say, our like kind of Haberosk friends yeah. uh, are some of the nicest people and people that we would now consider like stunning friends. You know? Wow! So you've come away with even these five years later. Yeah. What What do you remember the most? That's an five years question. later. <laughs> you know, drinking a lot of vodka. Or what still stays with you? That What did you learn from that trip that still stays with you now? Would you say? Do you know, I think it made me a, a much more confident person because every problem that came up, right. we dealt with, you know, and and after a few issues, you know, you just realise that you can just deal with what comes your way, and, you know. And, it, and you it, have to take action. You yeah, can't you, just sit there and wait for the yeah, you just you crack on. on. Yeah, yeah, you you just you just deal with whatever whatever happens, you know, and, and it made me very. Um, optimistic about people like I said earlier you know, I, I will give people the benefit of the doubt because most people are pretty cool you know? yeah, yeah yeah I mean I just did a 10-day experience recently in India but it was my first time to really get off the beaten path really? and be in the local scene with people meeting them randomly on the road and right mm-hmm. yeah I came away with such a high from sure. that um, like the tourist there's nothing wrong with the tourist stuff like you know, seeing like Hagia Sophia in Istanbul is amazing. It's 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 a wonder, and like going to Cappadocia and those things, they're they're popular for a reason. You know, they're amazing, but just as spectacular was like a random campsite in Siberia in the forests. You know, and we kind of we we kind of rated our campsites as we yeah. were going, <laughs> and we yeah, I remember, you remember the quarry one? Yeah, yeah and there yeah. was one we ended up just in this deserted quarry and it was amazing and it was just like in Russia in July early July it was just like like deer running around and stuff yeah it was just absolutely stunning stunning and for me like I was more nervous about the kind of the natural side the natural side of things of like living and camping every day and you know, <laughs> like shitting in the bush and, 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 and stuff like that, but you soon get into shitting in the bush. And <laughs> that's why um, you need the shovel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why right. the shovel is the most so important. I thought sense. It, you needed, I don't know what I thought you needed it for. Maybe. But you soon, you know, I'm not really that much of an outdoorsy person, but I loved every moment of it. And absolutely fantastic and it just I mean all these memories you guys are sharing with me like you will have them forever yeah and I would just say that anyone that wants to yeah anyone that wants to or is like thinking you know I'd love to drive across the world no it's impossible it is entirely possible and with a little bit of do it (laughs) 
Well, you're doing it. Well, yeah. we, we did Get the of... back of my ice cream truck, Chuck. Hey. You've got one? one? Chips. I will. I know how to make custard. You can make new flavors in the back, uh-huh. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, I really could talk about this with you forever. It's been so inspiring to hear about this really unique trip, and thank you so much for sharing it. Pleasure. Well, Becky, it was a pleasure, and maybe we should get... Next time, it's not going to be a trip. A little kind of four by four. It's going to be a mini bus. Well, yes. I think these days you're ins- you're inspiring us. Like seeing you on your trips everywhere these days. I'm very jealous. Hi, welcome, Mr. So, uh, that's uh, our final bell. I think was it? Yeah, it's our final we're being kicked out. Bell. We're getting kicked out. That's all right. I think we're still on there. hope, but let's get a drink. <laughs> Yeah, because well, in Japan, I do have to meet you, you can pick up the yeah. phone in your room, order a drink, and they just bring it to your room, and that's what he's ordering for, Hi, what kind of for us. He just ordered three beers. Awesome, awesome. Sorry, it's... We've got ten minutes left. It's We've paid for enough all we can drink, so well, we should... Well, guys, I do want to ask, like, if... Do you have pictures of this trip somewhere, or is there something? Well, we have our website, which is kind of strange because it's it's now five years ago, six mm-hmm. years ago, five, five years back. ago. Uh, we had our website. We had a blog, um, Tokyo to Cape Down, uh, dot WordPress dot com. I think is the something blog. like that. Um, but and it's most really of the videos are on my old YouTube account, which I don't really use, but there are lots of videos there. Phil Woodland. Um, but if you YouTube. wanted to, okay. to, if you were planning a, a trans Asia Europe trip, you could get in touch with one of us. You know? the, the only the problem Becky. was. Do you have an Instagram that people could follow? Or do you, um, where can they get in touch with you if they wanted to ask you? They could get in touch with me through my booze podcast. There you go. <laughs> okay. Time you for a shameless plug. Let's plug it, Chuck. If you want to put booze or. Transcontinental travel, then you can get a hold of me on Bamboozled Pod. Bamboozled Pod. At gmail.com. <laughs> Bamboozled Pod at gmail.com. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I'm not available to be get a hold of. Um, <laughs> but right. yeah, so the problem was I broke my computer in Turkey. So we all of the videos and folk, and I don't know about photos, but all of the videos stopped after Istanbul. Uh because I broke my computer. Sorry about that. Do you have a favorite country? My favorite was Georgia. That is on my list. Georgia is, was the most amazing, for me was, because it it combines this very ancient kind of melting pot in the middle between Asia and Europe. and they're really boozy and great food and, and great wine great wine and yeah. um, it's just absolutely Georgia is the best Georgia's on your mind Georgia yeah. I, I would go to Georgia <laughs> I cannot answer it I can't I've, I try and think of this all the time but there's no way to compare some places you know mm-hmm. you can't compare Istanbul to the Namib Desert there's just no comparison and Istanbul Turkey generally but Istanbul especially I think is just an incredible place but in terms of nature, you know, Southern Africa is always special to me, and now Central Asia too. That's our beer, guys. That's our beer. Thank you. Oh, you got the beer nice. Well, guys, well, I guess it's time to go then. We've got five minutes to skull these. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.
Thank you so much, Chuck and Phil, for sharing your amazing adventure. You inspired me while I was listening to start thinking bigger, thinking longer about where I might want to go. And I think it's so inspiring that you had this dream and you actually went through with it and you've got these amazing memories for the rest of your life. I will put links to Tokyo to Cape Town.wordpress.com on our website, theschooloftravels.com. I did check it out and the website is still active. And as Phil says, it's definitely from circa 2013, but it still has links to videos from Phil's YouTube account, and you can get a sense of what it was like to be with Chuck, Phil, and Sammy on the road. I'd like to leave you with a travel quote from probably the world's most famous road trip writer, Jack Kerouac. He has this beautiful quote where he says, there was nowhere to go but everywhere, so just keep on rolling under the stars. I definitely know that Chuck and Phil did that and are still talking about it years later. If you haven't taken an epic road trip, and by epic I would say, let's say at least 10 days, you definitely should. I myself have always wanted to travel across the U.S., and I still haven't done that, so maybe I need to put that on my list for next year, the year after something. I definitely need to do it. And you should too. There is such beauty and some kind of rhythmic energy from being on the road. Keep that in your mind, listeners. That dream that you've been having, start taking steps to make it happen. That's what I say. And I will be back with another episode very soon. Have a great week, listeners. Thanks for listening to the School of Travels podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Special thanks to The Sam Chase for allowing us to use their song, In a Perfect World. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode, and remember to always let travel be your teacher. If you keep your options open, there are places you will go. They will treat you like the kings and queens your parents thought you'd be when you were born. You'd see it all with your head up standing tall, and you'd look back and think it's funny how you